Erin O'Hara, Executive Director of the Tennessee Education Research Alliance, or TERA. We're coming to you live from the campus at Vanderbilt University. I'm here with Laura Booker, Executive Director of Research at the Tennessee Department of Education. This is the 10th period. So the 10th period is a new podcast brought to you by the partners from Vanderbilt University and the Tennessee Department of Education who work together on the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And this is our first edition. It's a podcast designed to bring you up to speed on education research in Tennessee and get the perspective on research from an educator or two. Uh, So on each episode, we're going to cover the latest news in education, latest news in education research. Uh, We're going to talk about a particular topic, a particular study that has been done. We're going to bring on an educator, talk to an educator or two about their perspective, and then we'll talk a little bit about what that might mean for the State Department of Education. So today we're going to be talking about uh, response to intervention instruction, or RTI squared. We're going to talk to Karen Jensen from the Department of Education and Michelle Brock-Demps, who's a Tennessee principal. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that make Tennessee special. And Laura, uh, I noticed that this Sunday is the Super Bowl, and Justin Timberlake is going to be singing uh, at the halftime of the Super Bowl. Justin Timberlake, a Tennessee native. That's right. And he was also an attendee of Tennessee Public Schools, which I know because we actually shared our gifted teacher. (laughs) I actually went to school in Tennessee, K through 12, um, over in Shelby County in West Tennessee. And Justin Timberlake and I were both in the gifted program, which was called Apex. And uh, he uh, and I shared a teacher who uh, was the gifted teacher, which if you've ever watched his comedy or watched his singing, it's clear he's gifted. (laughs) And so you all actually had the same teacher at the same time? We had the same teacher. You weren't in the same school. We were not in the same school. She she was shared from different schools. And he has actually thanked her on his albums, a proof that teachers really do matter and influence our students. Right. Also, you know, proof that maybe at some point you and Justin Timberlake could have had a thing if things had gone right. But I won't I won't get too far into that, lest your husband might get get angry with me. So um, before we actually get into we're going to do a, a little segment actually each time before we get into talking about the research about what's new in education in Tennessee. And so uh, last week, the week before, there was the gubernatorial forum uh, on education that score through. You were there. I saw you. And uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I was actually really impressed that all of our candidates are really putting education at the forefront of their campaigns. There was a lot of conversation about teacher pay. Um, There was even a little conversation about research. Um, Specifically, several of the candidates um, were bringing up the voluntary pre-K study that has been done by researchers here at Vanderbilt. Yeah, Dale Farron and Mark Lipsy have spent years looking at the effects of the voluntary pre-K program in Tennessee. And I thought it was great that basically every candidate mentioned that study. Always interesting to hear how policymakers interpret the research. So different people had different sort of interpretations of their search, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was a great event. Our friends at SCORE always put on such a fantastic, smooth, uh, smooth event. And, uh, you know, the one thing I'm going to be looking for more in the coming months from the gubernatorial candidates is a little more specifics. You know, in that forum, they got a great chance to sort of introduce their big ideas, more specifics to how they will do uh, policies, what specific policies they're going to do and how they're going to actually implement them. That's what I'm looking for over the next couple of months. Yeah, you and me both. So uh, let's get into our research review. Laura, your team just released a report about RTI squared, response to intervention and instruction in Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about, first, what is RTI squared in Tennessee, and then talk about what you all learned. 
Sure. So RTI Squared is actually a framework for teaching and learning. It includes regular what they call universal screenings. Um, so all students are given a screener at certain times throughout the school year. And then that data is used to actually identify students in terms of what um, needs they have in, for intervention. And so there, there's a tiered model of intervention um, to provide additional supports to students so that they can then access um, what they call tier one or core instruction. Um, so the framework is also used to act, also determine whether certain students require special education services because we want to make sure that before we place a student into special education that we've made sure that it was not a flaw in terms of the, the instruction they were receiving first. So we intervene on certain skill deficit areas, tar very targeted interventions to students' particular skill deficits, and then, and then we hopefully then put them back into core instruction where they're able to succeed. Yeah. So I, I know we'll get into this in a minute, but one of the things that you were just talking about, I think, is one of the reasons why initially we got into RTI Squared in Tennessee, which is the identification of students for special education. You've told us a little bit about RTI Squared. Now tell us about what you all learned when you did your report on RTI Squared. Sure, Erin. So it's been four years since the start of RTI Squared in Tennessee schools. Um, and there's a fair bit of pushback when we started implementing, and there's still yeah. a fair bit of pushback. Um, there was actually a 2015 study released by MDRC, and it basically concluded that RTI Squared, or Response Intervention Instruction, was not necessarily working, so that students who were receiving interventions were not necessarily doing any better than very similar students who are not receiving interventions. And we've even had some Vanderbilt researchers, um, Douglas and Lynn Fuchs, who have expressed concern around the level of complexity that the framework represents. Um, that's, that's At the same time, though, D Doug and Lynn's research, I think, would say RTI is a good idea. Right. It's really about how you're implementing it that's think, part of the issue. Yes, I think that that's exactly right. Um, and I think that that's also what we are starting to hear from a lot of our stakeholders across the state. I mean, people are bought into the theory behind RTI, but sometimes they struggle a little bit with how to put it into practice. So basically, our report um, tries to kind of look back what have we learned over the last couple of years around implementation and what changes might we need to make moving forward to basically continue to improve implementation. We really feel like RTI squared is still the right framework for our state, um, but we did through some kind of careful data analysis through talking to stakeholders, um, we do feel like we have some some changes that also need to be made. So what are the couple of quick pluses? What's, what's working well? So we actually conducted an analysis in our research team at the department um, looking at the identification rates for students with um, specific learning disabilities. And this was a major issue. This was sort of why we started getting into RTI Squared to begin with, is that we had large numbers of students, right, who were being identified for uh, specific learning disabilities, which felt at the time like a bit of a catch-all. Sure, that's exactly right. And not only did we have large numbers of students there, we also had pretty um, different uh, identification rates for different subgroups of right. students. Yeah, that's an important factor too. Right. So we had um, certain racial groups and economically disadvantaged students being and and male students being identified at higher rates. So than if other you students. were a, a black male student who also was poor, you were more likely to be identified for uh, with a specific learning disability. Right. And so now we use the RTI squared frame. Framework um, for for that identification. It doesn't mean that we don't still identify students for specific learning right. disabilities. It just means first that we sort of we we have a process of making sure that we're making sure it's not a instruction gap. Right. And so has that made a difference? 
it actually has, Aaron. So our um, research shows that the the SLD identification rates have dropped significantly in our elementary grades and that our racial subgroups have disappeared and gaps by gender have also narrowed significantly. Yeah, so that's a big change. It's a it's a massive change, and it's something that we feel like is evidence that shows us that RTI squared is meeting its intended per- purpose. Yeah. And I want to be clear that, you know, while overall most schools have seen drops, um, and this is looking at, you know, three years of data, um, that we have seen some schools that have seen increases. And when we've gone in and done some field work in these places, it seems as though that um, people are very satisfied with this process. And um, even though they may have seen different trends in their data, all of them feel that it's um, a much more structured process. And when we've specifically talked to school psychologists, they feel like they're they are now being brought in more into the conversations around instruction, not that they're just being passed like a slip of paper and uh, with a kid's name on it and then being right. asked to test them for special education, that instead they're being given data and evidence that helps them feel more confident about about then g- going into the process of making that determination. You've said evidence now a couple of times, which is great, because this is a podcast <laughs> about research and evidence and evidence use. What's some of the evidence that you all have in your report on the challenges related to RTI? Yes. So we be, we kind of identify four major challenges in the report. Um, the first is around integrating RTI squared into school structures. So um, I, we've heard across the state that there are time commitments around RTI squared. Um, so this is people responding to our educator survey saying there's only so much time in the day and they're feeling like it's cutting into other um, things that they're trying to accomplish during the school day. Yep. Um, and the other so that's the first challenge. Um, the second challenge is around staffing to support implementation. Um, so most of our schools in the state have um, started having interventionists to deliver the small group intervention period. Um, and but there are, there's a lot of concerns around how you allocate funds to fund those positions. Right. Um, the third challenge is around department guidance. We've had educators say that the guidance has been somewhat unclear around which elements are best practice and what's required and what's a federal and state law, specifically because there is this, um, there are certain requirements that are needed for SLD identification. That's specific learning disabilities. Yes, yep. right. And th- there are um, other things that are much more kind of guidance around what the department has put out around what research says is best practice around implementation. Um, And then the fourth piece is specifically around rollout of RTI squared in our high schools. Um, High schools are far less far along in terms of implementation process than our elementary and middle schools. One thing I want to say is a lot of our elementary schools were actually implementing Doing something like RTI, if yes. not RTI. Yes. Right. But before the state even kind of said, yeah. hey, we this is going to be what we do for SLD identification. And it, it lends itself that the sort of elementary school environment probably lends itself a little easier to figuring out some of these other issues around time and staffing because students are mostly with the same teacher all day. And so thinking about splitting out an hour is actually potentially an easier thing to do there than in other places. That's exactly right. And our um, survey data on the Tennessee Educator Survey, which we partner on between the department and Tara. Getting ready to release soon. (laughs) That's right. For for people to take. 
for the up, for the uh, current year. Yep. Um, but um, the, on that survey, we had some questions about RTI squared implementation, and our high school teachers were less positive than our elementary school teachers. So we think we've still got a fair bit of work to do in that space. Um, so we're going to be talking to Karen Jensen, who leads up this work at the department, and she's going to talk about basically what we're doing to address these challenges that we have identified in terms of implementation. So Laura, it was a really helpful look at what is in your report from the state and the research that you all have done. Uh, as we're going to do on this podcast, what we want to do is talk a little bit about the research itself, get some of the basics of what we've found out about a particular topic, and then we're going to bring on the people who really know that topic intimately. So we're really excited to have with us today Karen Jensen from the Department of Education. I know you all know one another, and Laura, you were talking a little bit about Karen's background, so... Karen, let's start there. Can you talk a little bit about um, what brought you to Tennessee and what you were doing before you got here? Sure. So I was in graduate school about 10, 11 years ago at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. And back then, RTI was, or RTI squared was not really very well known. It was just kind of coming around a little bit, but my program was pretty progressive. And a lot of the coursework really structured around the skills that you need to have a good response to intervention framework. So from there, I decided I needed to be in a state that was doing RTI because I really believed in it. And so I moved across the country to Colorado and was there as a school psychologist and for eight years was helping coordinate what that looked like in the school system there. So they had adopted the RTI framework for SLD identification mm-hmm. Um Back in 2006, I believe it was, and so I wanted to go there and help them refine what that process looked like, having that theoretical knowledge from grad school. So did that for about 10 years and then decided I wanted to see what things could look like back east in Tennessee. So I, I was really excited to be able to look at moving this work forward here at a state level. Yeah, so some people move around the country for, you know, love or sports teams or various things, but you're moving around the country following places that are doing a good job and and really passionate about RTI squared. What is it for you that really makes this work of RTI important? So I'd have to point to a really specific experience that I had with a student, a second grader I worked with when I was doing my internship in, in Richmond, Virginia. He had been displaced by Hurricane Katrina. Um, his family had moved around a lot, and he was a second grader who really was a non-reader. He couldn't read any words, didn't know his letters and sounds. And I think at first sight, a lot of people would have said, you know, this kid has a learning disability. He needs to be in special education. But we got him the right supports. We we tailored interventions to his needs that were below grade level. And we by the end of second grade, he was reading. So I, I've seen it work. I've seen how powerful it can be to have a team come together and and problem solve and look at the data on a student and get them the right supports and the and to see them accelerate and and be at grade level and see their confidence and enjoy being in school. So I just feel like every kid deserves that experience no matter what their background. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me it's a it's an equalizer for a lot of students that we have that have challenging backgrounds that that don't have the home lives that we had as uh are privileged to have. So I feel like RTI is a way to really approach those inequalities that we see in education. Yeah, and so so talk a little bit about what, um, as this report came out, um, mm-hmm. and and you were seeing the research that Laura and team were doing. What are the things that struck you about taking it from the level of that student and that mm-hmm. experience to the level of across the state of Tennessee? What's working well? Yeah, so we, we've always felt like there's going to be a need a need for professional learning. So since we've rolled this out, we've had several uh, department staff around the state that's been providing professional learning to district-level RTI teams and building-level RTI teams. 
And um, so we've really, we've known we've had to build skills. There's a lot of skills within RTI to make it work effectively, being able to look at data, being able to provide assessments, being able to problem solve around not only student needs, but but grade level needs and building needs. And so we've known that we've had to focus on that, but it, we're at a really great time right now to be able to reflect and say, how has the professional learning we provided been helpful? How has it been maybe not as effective as we'd like it to be? And where do we go from there? So can you maybe talk a little bit about some of the next steps in sure. ter- terms of what the department has coming? Yeah. So so one of the big pieces, and I'm sure that Laura talked about this with the challenges, is that um, we don't always see RTI squared implemented the way we maybe would like it to or in its best form. And it's challenging. So we've gotten lots of feedback around the assessment piece being really difficult to fit into schedules, that having the meetings that they have, finding time for those. Um, another big piece that's hard is fidelity checks. So being able to know that the inter- interventions that students are getting are being done really well and are are what those students need to target their skill deficits. And so that can be hard. And so sometimes they're just not happening. So we have to ask ourselves as a state, what's going on there? Is it because they're too hard? Is it because people don't know how to do them? Is it because there's too many? What's going on there? So one thing we're looking at as as a department is, can the guidance we provide look a little bit different around that? Um, And in, in hopes of seeing better implementation. So if the challenge is that they're not having enough time to get these fidelity checks done to the quality we want, would they be able to do them to more better quality if they did less of them? Right. So we're really looking at, we know that it's important. And the fidelity, the fidelity checks are helping to know whether or not in a particular RTI mm-hmm. classroom experience time, things are happening the way you might want them yes, to to get those exactly. kinds of outcomes you were talking exactly. about with your, so, your second so, grader. So the concept in that, that is a very key piece of the framework. So that still needs to be there. But how do we make that happen in a way that, that works and is more manageable for districts? Yeah. And so we really want to make sure we're reflecting on that piece as well. So what do you, do you have some specifics you're thinking about? Well, um, the fidelity checks is one. So we, we're really looking at um, right now what we have is for students that are getting tier, tier tier three intervention, they have five fidelity checks. Now, not what those look like. I think part of the challenge is I think people don't know what those can look like. Mm-hmm. So that's an area of professional learning that we're going to expand upon. May I recommend the podcast structure or possibly a video? <laughs> there you go. I'll have to write that down. Um, but yeah, so, so having less of those um, in tier three, especially because I think People are assuming that they have to do an hour-long observation to know right. whether the kids are getting what they need. And that's not always the case. So there, I think there's a there's – Sometimes a, you can actually ask kids exactly in order to find out whether or exactly. not there's yeah. actually fidelity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's one area. Another area that we see that's challenging that we need to relook at is the size of our groups. We know that the research shows us, especially for Tier 2, that students really should be in groups for 30 minutes and, and no more than a certain number of students. There's not as much research on that tier three. Um, right now, what we have is it's one, one teacher for three students at the elementary level, which can be really challenging to meet those ratios. Yeah, I mean, and is one of those things that's in the report, yeah. actually, about staffing and yeah. staffing structures. So, so we need to look at how else are we increasing intensity? Because the reason why we have those smaller groups is because we know they need something more intensive than the students that are in tier one instruction and then students that are in tier two. So one way to look at that intensity is decreasing the size, but there's other ways that you can increase the intensity. So rather than having it be mostly about having that group be really small, how can you target that intervention a little more focused on those exact skill deficits? How can you make sure that there's a, a, a high rate of, of um, opportunities to respond for those students and, and high rates of feedback, 
high quality feedback from the teachers. And so there's lots of ways we can increase intensity. It may not be just around that group size. And so the, all those things you just talked about, are those going to come in the form of potential guidance from the department? Yeah. So what we're doing this spring is we're going to be doing a listening tour around the state and we're going to talk one, about how things are going. So what are the strengths? What are some of the challenges? And kind of expand upon the information we've gotten from the educator survey. And then we're going to ask some questions around those specific things like fidelity checks, group size, and just to see how those things are going. Because there are some people, for every person that says it's hard, there's a person that says, we see the value in this and we know that it needs to be there. So we need to get a, a better picture about what kind of changes make sense and are really going to improve the implementation. Because okay. what we don't want to have is the unintended consequence of lowering expectations on th certain things and then people are doing even lower than that and our kids aren't getting what they need. Because our job as a department is to provide the best guidance and what's our best practice example about what RTI squared needs to look like. So we don't want to lower that bar too much so that kids aren't getting what they need. Yeah, and this is actually, I mean, I mean, this is one of those things that's really hard from the perspective of people, you know, uh, it's not always easy to understand the challenges that come at the State Department mm -hmm. of Education. But what you just said is actually one of the things that's so hard about being at the State Department of Education, which is giving the right amount of guidance, mm -hmm. the right amount of support, and not too much yeah. it's a balance. that people don't it get is to do what they need to yeah. do. Yeah, because a lot of these decisions, it is frustrating because I think sometimes when we're thinking about that professional learning experience, I think... It would be wonderful if I could tell schools what interventions to use for reading and writing and math and what data to look at and what kids to put in certain groups. But we don't know their students like they do. The, the power that they have in knowing their students and their staff and their staff skill set, those are all parts of making good decisions about what students need intervention, what students need enrichment. So I think um, we need to be able to empower them that they do have the tools to make these decisions for their students. That's perfect. That's a perfect segue into hearing actually from an educator in the field. So we're going to move on to our on-the-spot portion of the conversation where we'll talk to a principal. And Karen, thanks so much for mm -hmm. your time. And Thank Laura, you. I don't know if you have any last uh, elements, any last things to say in this section. No, I. the main thing I just wanted to maybe ask Karen about as a last question is uh, to talk a little bit about the challenge we hear from a lot of people that funding yes. um, for interventionists in mm -hmm. particular has been one of the biggest hurdles for yeah. RTI squared implementation. Yeah. So we um, we have the there has been a legislative funding request um, to better support RTI, and and so they're requesting I think it's something over thirteen million dollars through the BEP funding to be put towards RTI implementation, and so those would be specifically for staffing and districts. Yeah. So it's really exciting that we're putting our money our, our mouth our. We're, we're putting money and mouths together. Yes, we are putting <laughs> mouths exactly. and money. Money and mouths. Thank you. you yeah, exactly. Perfect. Karen. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, that we we're saying this is important, and now we're putting that money yeah. behind it. Yeah, um, that we great. think that we know that districts that have the staff to be able to coordinate these efforts, especially at the district level, are more successful um, because it requires a lot of management and training and, and and skill building within those districts. And so having those positions will be really key for them to be able to. Um, be efficient and effective with their implementation. If you want to read more about a strong district implementation, feel free to check out the report. Now we're going to do a segment we're calling On the Spot. And the purpose of this segment is to call an educator somewhere in the state of Tennessee and put them on the spot to talk about the topic of the day. And so today we're going to hear from Minglewood Elementary School Principal Michelle Brock-Demps, who's in Clarksville, Montgomery County, and is in the field working on RTI. 
Minglewood is actually highlighted in the department's report on RTI Squared for its uh, great use of data in their team meetings. That's right, Erin. And now we're going to put Dr. Brock Demps on the spot and ask her to give us her take on what it really takes to implement RTI Squared in practice. So, Dr. Brock Demps, I'm going to ask you first to just describe what RTI Squared looks like in your school. Okay, so RTI Squared at Minglewood Elementary um, looks like uh, all of the students being involved in uh, response to intervention um, every day. Um, we have um, all of our students that are involved in Tier 2, and then we have um, very specific and focused classes for Tier 3. Um, so all of our students receive some type of intervention or enrichment every day. Um, all of our teachers are involved in um, RTI, and what we do is we focus on uh, the standards and the skills by grade level um, for our students, and Tier 3 is very personalized to the students' uh, needs every day. Um, so there are 30-minute segments and 45-minute segments that we do each day, and um, all of our children are involved. And can you describe a little bit about the staff data team meetings that take place as part of RTI Squared? Yes. Um, during the data team meetings, normally what happens is the administrators, um, the teachers for the grade level, as well as the RTI interventionists, uh, we all get together um, every three weeks and we sit down and we review the progress monitoring reports that we have done for the children. Uh, we look to see how many students have made enough growth um, towards grade level, um, reaching their grade level requirements so that we can either exit them or we make the decision that they have not obtained the growth that we wanted and we keep them in Tier 3. Um, the kids that are in Tier 2, we watch um, those students and monitor those students as well um, just to make sure and to find out if, if there's anybody that needs to move. So we um, sit down and we have really focused, personalized conversations about the students um, that we are serving and make the decision as to whether or not, based on the data that we have from the regular classroom teacher um, and then also for, from the interventionist and any data that we've, we've gotten from student assessment to decide whether or not that student needs to be moved into RTI Tier 3 or if they're fine with continuing with Tier 2. So it's interesting. Mike, uh, I have a second grader and a first grader. So a lot of times on this podcast, I'll probably talk about my own actual personal experience with things. Um, okay. So uh, my daughter do goes to enrichment and, and actually it's great. I mean, it's, you know, an hour a day of a different teacher and different kinds of things. Do students move around in your school? And, and what are the things, I mean, other than the data team meetings, what are the kinds of things that you feel like really make make it so that, you know, so all students at your school are growing in that time period? Um, so our RTI time um, enrich our inter intervention and enrichment time um, is 30 minutes each day. And again, we look at all of our students to make the determination. We have um, one enrichment class per um, grade level. So we make sure that those students that have grown above um, our advanced, they also receive the enrichment. Um, and it's very helpful because when we have that data from enrichment, it helps us to identify students that may qualify for the gifted program. Mm -hmm. And so that means that we're able to get them additional services as well. And in some cases, um, the students um, that receive the gifted services, which is also part of special education, it just helps to keep those students ahead 
and prepares them for better opportunities. So it makes Minglewood look like we're meeting the needs of each each individual child that we have here, and we really take a, a hard look at what the needs of the child are in order to keep them engaged in school and encouraged by school so that they'll continue to, to educate themselves as they go further. So um, a lot of parents have gravitated towards yeah. that. They really like the fact that if they have students that we can identify um, students that and what services they actually need. So um, that's a very good thing, and it does help parents to know what's out there. If your child is, you know, in enrichment, what great opportunities are there. And even if your student is receiving intervention, still what great opportunities are out there so that they can continue to keep their child on the educational trajectory. Yeah, it's just as a parent, I, I totally agree. As a parent, it's so nice to know that, you know, because uh, differentiation in a classroom is really hard to do uh, yes. with, you know, 25 kids, 20, 25 kids, whatever you have in a class. It's mm-hmm. so nice to know that for, you know, in, in my kid's school, an hour each day, and your kid's school, half an hour each day, every day, you know your kid mm-hmm. is getting what they specifically need on their grade level or on their, you know, particular mastery level. So I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about some of the positives around RTI. Not everything about doing the RTI squared uh, rollout in Tennessee has been perfect from the perspective of educators. And we've heard some things in the educator survey um, sort of about how people feel. I mean, by and large, people are positive and think that, uh, think that RTI squared is going to have a positive impact on student achievement. But what, what are the sort of challenges you've experienced as you all have – either, you know, through rollout um, or uh, or sort of the the actual guidance that's coming from the department, anything that you, you think? Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the, the challenges that we have with RTI squared is, um, you know, you can only staff um, the interventionist position by so many people. And we have a lot of kids that have needs and that we would like to serve they may the students may have needs in math and reading but we may not be able to service math and reading at the same time so we may have to alternate um, during the year to try to balance out their needs Um, it would be nice if we could have you know a staff of 15 or 20 interventionists that were able to you know work with the students every single day on both subjects that they need. Um, So that's always an issue. But, of course, you know, the population tells us how many we're going to, you know, how many teachers we staff. Um, The next thing is is really having a viable curriculum um, that will meet the needs of all of the students that we have. And I know that sounds like an impossible feat, um, but, uh, we've had we've got great interventionists and great teachers that have made a real solid effort to try to make sure that the curriculum we put in front of the students really meets their personalized needs. So really having a, a great curriculum for RTI where um, a part of it is skill-based and then a part of it is standards-based. Some students have all of the skills, and when we talk about enrichment, we're talking about moving students past the grade-level standards into Maybe um, the next grade level, for example, if you have a student that's in fifth grade and they're in enrichment, they may need sixth and seventh grade standards that they can start working on now Mm -hmm. through RTI and enrichment. So those would be two of the things that, um, two of the challenges that we have um, is just not having, being able to staff it 
based on the needs of the kids that we have, and then just having a curriculum that really does allow us to personalize um, the learning that the students need and makes it easier for teachers to to be able to implement it sooner, and we can start to move students, um, advance students quicker. So those are really the two challenges that we have right now. We're working on the curriculum piece um, and trying to make sure we identify a curriculum that will um, meet the needs that are aligned with the skill-based needs the kids need in elementary school, and then also looking at a standards-based curriculum and possibly having two that we would actually use um, for intervention and one for enrichment. Yeah, and guidance on the uh, curriculum might be good, but the the staffing issue you highlighted is really one of funding more yes, than anything. right, yeah. right. I know Laura has another question. Yeah, Dr. Buckdems, I'm curious. We've heard from a lot of people that time in the day is a challenge when it comes to implementing the RTI squared framework. I'm curious about um, how your school has taken on that challenge. So one of the things that you have to do as um, an administrator is is that you have to create a sense of urgency in your building about the needs of the students. And so we did that at the very beginning, that it's, it's extremely important that the kids have RTI, and that's how we were able to – you make time for what you want to make time for. And we wanted to make time for all of our students to receive RTI at, during the school day. Um, because we wanted we want to see great gains and we want to see our students succeed. So we we had no problems coming up with the 30 or the 45 minute time slots in the master schedule. Um, so the time was not really the issue once we created the sense of urgency. And the thing about creating the urgency is making sure that the kids are very comfortable and confident when they approach the state assessment. And you do that by making sure that they have time during the day to practice what they're learning and to also review the skills that you know they're going to need for the state assessment. So if you could wave a magic wand and have the Department of Education and the state sort of do one thing to continue to improve RTI so that kids are all kids are learning at the levels they need to be learning and, and getting the right kind of uh, intervention, what might you do? I would wave my magic wand and request funding for additional staff so that we can move all of our children um, in the same direction at the same time. It's definitely necessary and needed. The teachers love it. Um, it would definitely be uh, funding for additional staffing is what we really need for RTI. We have a lot of students out here that struggle with reading. We have a lot that struggle with math. And let's be honest, um, the math um, and reading that the students are required to do now, um, even in elementary school, is very complex. Mm -hmm. And um, the kids have to practice um, thinking, which is beautiful. And when they learn it, they're beautiful. They take off. But it's really just having enough people to address the needs of the children. Um, that would be what I would request right off the bat. So as a, a parent and a PTO member, I would um, actually support you in that, uh, separate from the research capacity in which I work. And obviously this was a, something that was highlighted in the report as well. But I, I know that schools struggle to figure out how to have enough people to do intervention time well. So. Dr. Brock Demps, this has been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you joining us for our, our inaugural On the Spot um, and look forward to seeing more great things coming out of Miglewood Elementary. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes our first episode of the 10th period, a podcast about education research in the great state of Tennessee. Hope everyone's learned something new and enjoyed being our volunteer listeners, uh, volunteers in the state of Tennessee. Um, So just so you all know, over the course of the series, the kind of things that we're going to talk about are uh, research on school improvement, innovation zones, achievement school districts, research on teacher development. We'll talk about some research, um, hopefully, around the teacher evaluation system. Basically, when we, uh, the Tennessee Education Research Alliance, or our partners at the State Department of Education, put something out that we feel like would be good to engage a principal, a superintendent, someone from a school district, a teacher about, that's what we're going to do here. And that's the purpose of the 10th period. So uh, please do follow us on Twitter at 10 ed res alliance you'll uh you'll get uh information about when we'll have our next podcast laura before we end tell me what's the one sort of big takeaway you have from today's podcast stay the course we need to stay the course with rti squared and we need to figure out how to support implementation i think we're somewhat on the path from that i think we've heard that a little bit from karen today Um, But we need to think about how we can continue doing more um, from a state perspective, from a district perspective, from a school perspective to support implementation. Yeah, I think for me, uh, in the conversation with Dr. Brock Demps, it really rang home for me as a parent that, um, especially in elementary school, you know, you really want your kids to get individualized instruction. And I think that's probably true all throughout. And RTI Squared seems to be a great way to do that. Some improvements that needs to be made, some changes hopefully on the horizon, money in the governor's budget, lots of good things to come in this area, lots of good podcasts to come with us here at the 10th period. So signing off for this time and until next time, hopefully everyone enjoys watching Laura's friend Justin Timberlake in the Super Bowl this weekend. That's right. Or that you've already. Or that you have, right? Because that's a good point. This will air after that. So that's right. anyway, hope everyone loved watching Tennessee native and Memphis public school student Justin Timberlake in our Super Bowl. So take care and we'll see you next time. Thanks for your time.